everybody to the Seattle Sports Union podcast. That's right. We're back once again in these tumultuous times in 2020 and 21. Uh, my name is Avery Abduis. With us today, our guest stars, Matthew Page, Richard A. Michelson, and the soul man, Brian Solak, your host, your pal, my buddy. Take it from here. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Not much. I forgot to introduce Rob English, who also is on the call. My bad. Yeah. Seriously. Hey, Rob. That's just, so, I mean. SoCal. Uh, the SoCal Seahawk right? himself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How's it and going? That's, that's just wrong. Just totally just ignoring people as they join. Hey. Even if they're from uh, hailing from beautiful San Diego. I'm a, I'm a social media star in, 2000, in 2021. I can ignore things and forget things. <laughs> And still be bold, bash, brash, and you know, powerful. So <laughs> screw you, Matt Page. Maybe I'll just forget wow. your name next time. As long as you don't incite riots, Abe. As long as you don't incite riots. Maybe I will incite riots <laughs> because apparently that's okay nowadays. To be fair, living in sunny Southern California right now is not paying its dividends right now because it's freezing cold down here. <laughs> so what? It's like forty. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, how, wow. how do you survive? I mean. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I didn't. I didn't move to sunny Southern California to freeze my. You know what's off. You know what I mean. This is, uh, this is not. I'm not. I'm not getting paid my sunshine dollars. Oh no! You actually had. You probably had to actually wear pants and a long sleeve shirt. Now, I mean, that's just. I, believe I it or not, believe it or not, I'm wearing. I'm wearing a. I'm wearing a thermal undershirt right now. Wow! <laughs> well, I thought Whoa. you. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You told me that you were jumping bail, and that's why you had to go to the desert. Uh, I, I, so, so yes, I technically am uh, just a little <laughs> bit north of San Diego, um, but it's all the same. Matter of fact, it's a, little, it's a little chillier up here at night than it is in San Diego. I'm about an hour north in um, uh, what we would call Murrieta. Well, you're in the um, true desert. You know, in... No one knows what Murrieta is, so we just say San Diego. Kind of like me, me being from, you know, being from Bremerton. When I come down here and people say, where are you from? I just say Seattle because no one knows what Bremerton is. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I understood. Um, let's get started. I want, we're going to, before we talk Seahawks, I want to ask Mr. SoCal Rob English, how, how was, what was the mood like in your household on last Sunday after the Seahawks beat up on the 49ers? I, I know your wife's a fan. Um, she acted like she didn't care, you know, I was, cause I, I think as I, as I said, she reserved. Um, you know, her reactions for when the 49ers actually beat the Seahawks. She likes to talk the most when that, when that happens. Um, but when Seattle beat San Francisco, you know, she acts like she's not, you know, she's all, you know, she's indifferent about it. You know what I mean? But, uh, but I, I, I make sure I throw my jabs and, uh, and she can pay for it later. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, that's my least favorite fan. He's the one that does not give me satisfaction when my team beats their team, right? They got to yep. be upset. They, I need to. I need to see it. I need to smell it. I need to feel it and hear it. You know, I I have a quick story on this. So in in 2013, whole year, Seahawks are leading the NFL. They're winning. I'm stuck in a call center in Salt Lake City. My boss, huge Bronco fan, and the Broncos are just destroying the EFC. They've got Peyton Manning, and they've got like 50,000 receivers all catching the ball for 1,000 yards apiece and 25 touchdowns, and it's the best offense in the entire universe. 
the Seahawks are going to get blown out in the in the Super Bowl. And I'm just like, yeah, but how is anyone going to ever get open against the Seahawks defense? And that was the extent of my trash talk. I tell you what, boys, that Monday coming into work <laughs> with a <laughs> with a 43 to whatever it was score, I just said, nice game Sunday. What do you think, boss? And I left <laughs> it at that. And it was just fun to watch him stew all day and like marinate in that blowout, in that destruction. So, anyway, just I just had to share that. That was oh, the best thing ever. It reminds me a couple of years ago when, when Matt, your Oregon Duckies, the, they lost, and and I sent you a message. Uh, I sent you a message that I will not make any comments for twenty four hours, and. And I you know you were true to your word. You were true to your word. I was true to my word. But I know that's probably would have been worse. I'm I'm sure that was worse than me actually just going after you at that moment. By the way, conclusively, it was never proven that the Ducks were the ones who lost. It was clearly Cal on the field. All this right? was this was that seventy-two <laughs> to ten beating. Uh, yeah, yeah, your team, and, and it was it was Cal. It was Cal that you were playing. Yeah, your Cal t- lost your pathetically. Oregon's jerseys look stupid. They always have. Oh, sorry. Was my mic on? Sorry about that. I didn't realize. Can we talk about the 49ers game? Let's move on. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. I don't want to talk really. We can talk Ducks later if there's time. Um, It's fine. uh, Let's talk about that 49ers game, that slobber knocker football game where the Hawks came back and kicked some ass. I mean, what are your thoughts? Let's start with SoCal Rob. Um, You know, it was... uh, it's another one of those bittersweet things, right? I mean, we you want to end the season. You know, it's week 17. You know you're going to the playoffs. You have a shot for the number one seed. So I went to this game feeling really, really hopeful. Um, hopeful, number one, that we might be able to win this game and, and maybe the Bears would do something spectacular. Maybe Carolina would do something spectacular. So we could walk out of the day, you know, um, you know not having to play this weekend. Um, but at the least bit, you know, you want to you want to see your team put on a good performance heading into the postseason, and we didn't really get that. We we got another one of those Seahawks games that um, you know leaves you you know biting your nails and wondering, are we really even supposed to be here? Type of feeling, and um, and you know we we pull it out in the end, finally late in the game, you know the. the the Seahawks show up, you know, finally, late in the game. We actually showed up, played some football, and it was enough to, to, uh, to you know, to get the win. But, um, but then those, you know, those, you get those, uh, once you go into that prevent, that prevent, you know, side of the game, you know, they managed to get within three points, and an onside kick might change everything. Um, so it was, it, was, it was underwhelming and a little, still a little disconcerting, uh, certainly heading into the postseason. You wish you had come off of a, a, a better performance. But a win is a win. Um, and of course, we'll take it. Pete Carroll says he's not worried about the offense. Rob, you agree or disagree? Uh, that's a really, really tough question for me to answer because I tend to agree with Pete Carroll that no, I'm not worried about the offense either. Um, but again, you know, I, I would, I would, I would unequivocally agree. Like, I would totally agree if we had went out and scored 30 points. Or if we had went out there and scored, you know, a touchdown in in, in, in all four in each quarter of the of the football game, you know, if we didn't look so just stagnant for the first three quarters of the game, I, I I would agree. But 
I, I, I'm I, for me, the jury's out on the offense. I, I know what we're capable of, and I know what I'm hoping to see. You know, on on Saturday uh, afternoon against uh, LA, um, am I am I am I completely unworried? No, but am I terribly worried? Also, no. Fair enough. Rich, Rich, were you able to catch a game there in Utah? Uh, no, I, I I got to catch the red zone broadcast, so I think I got to watch like five uh, percent of the game. It, it kind of stunk, but um, I I watched the play by play as it as it came through, and I watched a bunch of the highlights since. Um, and of course, they showed all the scoring plays. Um, I gotta agree with Rob. I'm a little concerned, uh, you know. That you know, basically, we had the spurt of, ex, of of explosion, you know, explosion of offense. The defense, you know, forced a turnover. We got a, you know qu- another quick score, boom, you know, bing, bang, boom. Um, and as it turns out, we really needed that one. Um, the defense was—I'll say that they were solid. Um, and I mean, the offense was somewhat efficient. I mean, we got 21 first downs. We got more first downs in San Francisco. But what I want to know is, where's the explosiveness? I mean. We have, uh, we'll get to this later, I know, but we have, you know, arguably the best Seahawks wide receiver tandem ever. Uh, We have arguably the best Seahawks quarterback ever who can throw the deep ball. Uh, We have a, uh, some semblance of, uh, of Olsen at tight end who, you know, you can make the argument is the best Seahawks tight end ever. And we can't move the ball through the air. And we can't really, you know, get things going. I, I just don't understand. Um, I, I, it's just it's just kind of baffling to me, especially like with Chris Carson around, uh, with uh, with Hyde in the backfield. We we have some semblance of a running game too. No play action, no explosive plays. It's just really disappointing to see that. Matthew Page. Dave Craig apparently disagrees. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> uh, he will forever be my favorite Seahawks quarterback. I'm sorry. No, Russell doesn't come close in my mind. But they, I understand that those people out there value things like Super Bowl victories, playoff victories, victories in general, uh, not throwing interceptions, not getting sacked eight times in a game. Uh, you know, He won that game, those, by the way. Oh, he did win that game with a Hail Mary. It was amazing. But, uh, you know, I mean, I Dave Craig will be my number one. But anyway, um, it, it was a typical it was a typical Seahawks win. We played to the level of our competition. We always do that. We always have these questions. We're, we, we, we're continuing to talk about this same topic of do we do we are we as good as we think we are? And then, you know, the next week we come out and we play a really good game and we hang tough with them and, and, and come out on top eventually, you know. The, the 49ers are a good team. I know they're missing like 500 people from their roster right now. And next year, we really need to watch out for them because they'll have people healthy and they'll probably have a, a good quarterback at the helm again. I'm not saying that's Garoppolo. And, uh, you know, they're, it, we always play to the level of, of our competitor, you know. And it, it's just just the way this, this team works. I don't know why. I don't know how. It's not like they were relaxed when they get ahead so far, but it's just how it always seems to work out. But at the end of the day, as Rob said, a win is a win. I agree with your Dave Craig theory. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's, I, I, he's my favorite of all time anyways, but we could talk about it another time. Uh, I, I want to ask Abraham a question, but, but before I ask him, I, 
Is it true that Rick Meyer is your favorite Seattle quarterback, Abraham? Uh, Rick Meyer, when he was drafted number two <laughs> overall, I, in fact, Rich, you're laughing. Don't you laugh. I am. Because that year he was drafted, you and I talked about this, and I said, this kid, Rich, this this guy right out of Notre Dame, number three, the number three, the original number three for the Seattle Seahawks, he's going to go places. And by God, did he go places. He backed up at Chicago, backed up at, what, Indianapolis? Backed, he backed up for pretty much every team in the league. Um, so I was not wrong in my prediction. And, and he was the for... AFC Rookie of the Year. He was the Rookie of the year. year. Set the record for most passing attempts. And by the way, uh, just to go back to the previous things, I agree with I agree with Rich, Ram, the Michelson, and I agree with the SoCal Seahawks, and then even that that son of a gun, Oregon Duck, Matt Page, um, about their assessments on the uh, the 49ers. Um, if, I, if I were a critic, though, of the 49ers, um, I think I'd blame them for just a generally bad offensive game plan. The game was theirs for the having. And the 49, I don't know if you guys set, saw this stat, but like they set the record for 49ers teams with passing offense. And how do you do that with Jeff Wilson Jr. as your running back? I don't know. So, you know, it, it, it was it was a game that I was kind of actually bored about. I was bored of because I thought we should have benched all our players. Um, and we looked slow. We looked listless. We won on sheer talent. We're just a better team than they are. But I kind of feel like they put together a better game plan. The game was theirs for the having. Mm, I totally agree. And I think we were talking about it texting. They should, I personally thought they should have been some of their players too. Once, you know, the game was out of reach and I mean, we didn't have a chance at the first or second seed. So what's the point? I mean, why? And then look what happens. Carson got injured and the cheap shot on Tyler Lockett out of bounds. Exactly. Wait, 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 wait. I was the only one on the podcast last week. I got yelled at because I said that we should, we should bench our folks. after. No, I I said that too. I said that too. Uh, All right. We I'm not rewriting history. Matthew. No, absolutely not. I did say we should bench everybody. A- anyway, <laughs> I will fight you over this. The next step. We'll, we'll yeah. check the transcripts. <laughs> uh, the, the defense has obviously last half of the season has had an incredible turnaround. Who gets credit for that? Rob English. Rob English does not get credit. Oh, you're asking me. I'm sorry. I will graciously accept the credit for that. Uh, you were defending Norton, um, though. You were defending Norton. I mean, you're vindicated in that. Yep. Well, I mean, and but it'll, yes, this is true. But but I will say, you know, because I don't want to be that guy. I want to be honest here in the spirit of full disclosure and all that. I did start to turn turn my back on Ken right at, at the end there before before he made his turnaround, um, you know. But uh, I mean, I, you have to give him credit for finding a way to get things going right. Who gets credit for that? I mean, if you're going to give him, he, he drew the ire of all of us, okay? Seahawks fans and 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 you know fans otherwise. So if we, if we, had, if we gave him all of that. Then we have to we have to at least give him his due his, his due credit on turning it around. Um, the same players, the ones on the field, you know, um, 
So uh, I, I give it to Ken Norton. I don't know if he started uh, started meditating in the evenings before he went to bed and just you know <laughs> figure something out or you know or what. But um, but he did, and and I mean, and and not just turned it around, but turned it into the number one defense in football. I mean, yeah. that, that that's saying something. So it's, it's not like we went from worst to okay. We went from worst to best. So um, uh, yeah, I kudos to, to Ken Norton, and I and I hope to see this continue. Um, you know, for the next, uh, you know, six weeks. That, that was my next question, actually. If this continues, is there, do we have a good chance to go to the Super Bowl? Uh, I, well, you know, the, the, the old saying is that, you know, defense wins championships. Um, we have our first championship, you know, very much based on a great defense. Um, you know, and I, I have to say, yeah, if, if, if this defense can stay like this, uh, our offense being as powerful as it can be, um, absolutely. I mean, uh, who who can we not beat if we if we hit on all cylinders? Fair enough answer. I do agree with that. Anybody disagree? Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I I you know I'm uh, obviously I'm rooting hard for the Hawks. Don't don't don't, don't worry. Um, but the honest truth, I I worry about the Saints. Uh, if if Kamara is off the COVID list when we come up against them, I sincerely worry about that matchup. I just don't think I think they're I think they they're just point for point. I think they're a little they're a better team than us. Um, they're a little more stacked. However, they 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 clearly don't have good karma uh, when it comes to the championship game. Um, but you know, eventually they're going to break through and. I, I don't know. I like their chances this year. I just that wor- that team worries me, especially only if Kamara is there. If Kamara is still on the on the COVID list, then they then I don't I don't I don't worry as much. But trying to con- trying to contain that that guy, I'm just not sure we're up to it. It worries. I me. I I would say that you I mean Pete Carroll has been known to put together a good defensive game plan. But I will say that what actually worries me more is Sean Payton on the offensive side. I mean, he had like a fraction of his offense and skilled players, and they really put on a performance uh, to finish the season. And I, I was really impressed with what they were able to do, considering that they were down to like their fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers and their third and fourth uh, string running backs. Abraham, do you care to counter, or do you agree? I got huge problems with what Matt and Matt and Rich are saying right now, uh, but I do want to go back uh, with a quick statement to say, uh, Rob English, you are correct. I mean, I sat there and I destroyed Ken Norton every week, demanding, you know, his head on a platter, and. Uh, if I do that, then I'd be hypocritical not to say that this turnaround is you got to give quite a big, quite a big portion of that pie of credit to him. Um, I also have to give some credit to uh, Carol and Snyder for going out and getting Dunlap, going out there and replacing Quentin uh, uh, Dunbar with DJ Reed, going out there and getting you know spending the two first rounders to get. Adams, because there was a deficiency in in defensive talent, and they more than made up for it, and basically got away. You know, get, like you said, worst to first, worst defense 
in the NFL to best defense in the NFL. And this defense is better. That's right, Rich Michelson. You, I'm not saying butter. I'm not saying bitter. I'm not saying blubber. I'm saying it's better than what the Saints have. And am I afraid of the Saints? A little bit. I mean, they're 13-3, and three, but you're telling me Drew Brees who can't throw more than 15 yards? I got to worry about him? No, I don't got to worry about him. You tell me, you telling me that uh, Kamara's great? Of course he's great. I know that. Um, but if you look at his stats, he's not he's, he's, he's killing it in certain games and just playing disappearing in other games. So, you know, it depends on which one we see. And I, I, and God only knows if Thomas, uh, is going to end up getting in trouble with Sean Payton and end up having to be benched. So I, I don't know that that's a, that's a mixed up crazy team over there full of some nut jobs and quite honestly, a quarterback that's over the hill. And we, well, we still need to get by the Rams obviously too. So, Let's talk about the Rams. Um, I do have a question from one of our millions and millions of fans of Seattle Sports Union. Uh, his name from Gary House. This question is for Rob. I mean, obviously we play the Rams twice a year, but I mean, we played them two weeks ago and we won. Up and it was pretty much hands down victory for us. I mean, is that an advantage, Rob, that we played them two weeks ago or? Is this like a you know a whole new season because of the playoffs starting? I mean, what are your thoughts? Is I mean, do we have it? Yeah, I think I think playing a team so recently um, can be an advantage and probably is an advantage. Um, but conversely, I think it can be just as much an advantage for the other team. Um, I mean, you've seen them recently. I mean, imagine. Look Look at any game that you play, right, that you play once. Look at um, the Atlanta game or look at the even the New England game, certainly the New England game. Play that game ten times. What do you think our record our record is in those ten games? Like, who knows, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so um, it, it, playing a team, uh, you know, for, for well, ultimately a third time, but a second time in, in, in a close proximity, um, uh, I think it's an advantage. Uh, if nothing else, it's because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna remember what they did, um, you know. And so we're and we're coming off this on this short week. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a positive to to play them so soon, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna bode well for us. Um, but I think I, I'd rather be playing the Rams than playing some team that we haven't seen um, in weeks or all or haven't seen all season. Um, you know, I mean, on a short week where you, where the all your preparation is abbreviated. You know, um, if you're going to go against a team on a short week, you want it to be a team that you've just seen recently, I think. So um, I think it bodes well. Oh, excellent response. I didn't think about that. Um, do Is Jared Goff playing this weekend, Rob? Or are they going with that backup quarterback? I So as far as I've been able to find, uh, been able to, uh, find by, by my searching, um, Seattle is having to kind of prepare for both. Um, uh, uh, the, the, the kid, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Um, uh, Wolford. 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 Yeah. I, I, he was taking, taking snaps with the first team, um, uh, either today or yesterday. Um, that what sorry, I read. So, sorry to interrupt, uh, but on the, ra- uh, when I drove home, uh, on the radio, they said, uh, Joff, Goff was going to start. Oh, they said Goff uh-huh. was going to start. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, you know, um, uh, I, I don't trust much 
you know, I, I would I wouldn't be surprised to see if, if maybe they put that kid out there. I honestly was quite worried on what would happen if they did start the kid because mobile quarterbacks, um, you know, gave us fits this season. Um, you know, uh, um, uh, um, what's the, the Buffalo quarterback? I'm drawing blank. Josh right Allen. Now. Josh Allen. Thank you. Um, you know, we had, we had we had trouble with him, um, and it's uh, something we've never seen out of the Rams. Um, so I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, they did play him. We had some trouble with him, but um, if Goff is in there, I think it's a good thing. Um, he, uh, I don't think he's a hundred percent, and so I think we can go ahead and kind of, you know, kind of throw the kitchen sink at him and, and see if he can actually, uh, um, you know, handle the pressure. Two more questions for you, Rob, before I get the other guy's opinion about the game. What is your prediction for Saturday's game? Saturday's game. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Seahawks uh, walk out of their uh, winners. Um, I think it's going to be a slow first half. Third quarter, we're going to probably get in the end zone uh, two times uh, at a field goal. Uh, I think it'll be a hot third quarter for us. Um, I think we win this game by two scores. Um, we're going to break the 30 mark. I'll say uh, 34. Um, 34, you know, 20. Something like that. Okay, that's reasonable. I have this other question I want to ask you. I should have brought it up earlier, but I forgot. The end of the game last week, we thought we were going into a victory formation, and all of a sudden, Russell is throwing the ball to David Moore. For, yeah. What, what's up with that? Personally, I mean, I heard it's because he, you know, he wanted him to get the hundred thousand dollar bonus or whatever, and and. Great, that's great, that's nice, but this is this is the end of the game. What if the ball, you know, was fumbled or intercepted? You know, I mean, there's still time left in the game. I mean, I, did did Pete Carroll know about this? I mean, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, I think I I don't believe Pete Carroll knew about it. Uh, based he did, on what he I did read, not. But he did not. He did not. Okay. Right. So, but but if I'm not fully, if I'm not totally mistaken, uh, the the play call there was very high percentage uh when you run that run that jet sweep um there i think i think it was a jet that, that would qualify as a jet sweep but it, it's a forward pass so he gets credit for a completion there which gives him the gets him the bonus which is what they said they did it for and if that had been quote unquote fumbled it would have just been an incomplete pass right so um so the play would have stopped and it's, and it's no harm no foul um so i think that by going rogue and calling your own play in the huddle um, they made the right decision on the play to call, um, you know, and it, if it did, if it had gone wrong, you know, at least, um, you know, at least the worst thing that could, that could happen is the incomplete pass and it's now third down or whatever, you know, whatever the next down would have been. So I'm okay with it. Um, you know, you know, when, when all goes well, everybody's happy, you know, <laughs> but if, <laughs> if he had fumbled the snap and, um, and then somebody picked it up and ran it back with her or something like that, then it would have been like, well, why didn't you just, you know, just take a knee and get out of the game? So. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? No, fair enough. <laughs> good, good answer. Um, had it gone wrong, I personally think. I mean, in baseball, they have the, this thing called the kangaroo court. I think Wilson should have been fined, or you know, have to pay ha half of the bonus. I mean, it only makes what thirty, forty million a year. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, I do want to hear you guys' quick response on the Rams game this weekend, and what are your predictions? Start with you, Rich. On the Rams game? Yeah, Rams-Seahawks game this weekend. What are your thoughts? Oh, okay. And okay. Um, 
I think the Seahawks win this in a defensive slugfest. Um, I think the, the final score will be 16-3 to three Seahawks. <clears throat> Matthew? Matthew Page? Oh. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have to agree with Rich, but I think it's going to get a little higher. Aaron Donald's still on the other sideline. Absolutely. Aaron Donald is still there. And they're the true number one defense in the NFL. So um, I'm going to say it, 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 it's going to be a tough game, but I think we're going to win 17-10. I say Hawks 27-24. They'll keep make it a close game like they love to do every week. Abraham, how about you? I was just curious if Matt Page was going through his Oregon Ducks, uh, you know, baseball cards just then. Like, were you just like fascinated by by some freshman no, I, who just came? He stumbled over my name. I didn't realize what what he had said. Like, it didn't it didn't click in my brain. Uh, I didn't know Oregon Ducks had baseball cards either. But <laughs> of course, Matt Prince. Matt Prince no. him up himself. <laughs> He, yeah, I make them myself. I'll, he, have to get, make, I'll have to get you some copies. He takes <laughs> he takes Donald Duck's head and photoshops it onto different baseball players. Um, but no, the uh, uh, the thought that I have is we handily beat uh, we handily beat them if they have John Wolford as their quarterback. Um, I'm a little bit more worried about Goff. I'm very worried about their defense um, as opposed to the as opposed to the Saints. I think they have actual stars on their defense that, that are concerning. But if, you know, if, if, if they have golf, I think it's close. Uh, so I got to give you two scores, don't I? And I got to go, you know, with Seahawks 24 and then uh, a double digit win if it's Wolford, you know, and then it's going to be really close. It'll be like 24, 20 if it's, if it's golf. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Rob English, do you have a little bit more time or do you have to go back to work? I have to get going. <laughs> okay. No, I, I totally understood. That's why I wanted to check with you. You care to give your podcast a quick shout out and any shout outs to anybody? Certainly. Yes. Please uh, take a listen to uh, Short Yardage with the SoCal Seahawk Robert English. Um, you can catch me on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Podbean. Um, and catch the links on Seattle Sports Union. Um, geez, who's my shot? At? You know, I had a shot out uh, planned uh, for for tonight, and it escapes me right now. Uh, Is it your wife for putting up with you for sixteen weeks in a row? <laughs> you know what? That's, that's, that's decent. That's decent. We'll, 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 I will. Give, I will give this week's uh, this week's shout out to to the wife for dealing. Uh, <laughs> For dealing with me and all my shenanigans and nonsense, so yeah, that, that, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us tonight, Rob. Happy New Year, Go Hawks! Happy New Year, Go Hawks! Talk to you guys later. All right, um, I want to talk some NFL, but we got a couple more Seahawks things I want to talk about real quick. Uh, rumor has it John Schneider is. Interested in the Lions GM job, true or false? And wh- I mean, why would he go there when he has a good relationship here? Anybody care to comment? Uh, is the question true or false? He's interested, or true or well, false? No, I heard he's going to go. I I'd heard he yeah. that he, they were interested in him. I hadn't heard it the other way around. 
yeah. So how, however you want to interpret that. Then, okay. Anyways. I will, I will interpret it as uh, true or false that he's an actual candidate. First of all, until the Seahawks season concludes, it is illegal by NFL rules for Detroit to even contact him or look at his way, look his way. So we have no definitive, you know, uh, no definitive any there, anything there. So yes, 100%. I don't doubt in my heart that the lions are interested. Uh, I can't, I can't tell you what Schneider's thinking. I mean, because he's going to have to get an offer, right? Because if somebody comes in and says, Snyder, we're going to give you 50 million a year. He'd be a damn fool not to get up and go move to go move to Detroit. Um, but we don't know what their offer might be. So all I can, all I can say is, um, He's a damn fool if he doesn't listen to what the what the Lions have to say. Anybody agree or disagree? Care to counter? Uh, it's the Lions. I think it's a horrible idea. I mean, they from top to bottom, that organization has been a disaster for the last thirty years. Um, I, I'll, I'll chime in. I think. Um, it would be it would be a, a great challenge if he if he's really looking for a challenge, but it would mean leaving it would mean leaving the team that he's helped build here and the success he's built here. Um, you know, would would you want to walk away from that? And and then yeah, the, the other the other thing is is you got to take into account, especially as a general manager, the owners for the Lions are very poor in terms of quality <laughs> to put it nicely. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, working with them, they're the reason why the lions suck and have sucked consistently for a long time. And so would you want to step into that situation? I personally, if I was Schneider, I'd be like, no, I built, I, you know, I came here and I built this team up from scratch and with Pete, I got a great relationship with Pete. I got a great relationship with the, you know, the, the leader, the president and the, you know, the, the full front office and, and all that. And I built this team up and we're making a Super Bowl run right now. And we've got some challenges this off season that I can take on. And, you know, I mean, I, if I, if I was him, I wouldn't even do it. But, but at the same time, the, the report I read was that it was that Detroit that was interested. And I can absolutely see Detroit being interested. Yes. Go, go try and poach a really good GM. But, I don't, I, I, I don't see it succeeding. I think it's more of a false flag, like to try to convince their fans that that. Oh, look, we're really trying. Yeah, and I was gonna just jump in here too. I mean, like Schneider is not like an independent GM, if that makes sense. Like he has been the GM along with Pete Carroll, who's been as in essence the co-GM, and. I don't know that he's the kind of the kind of guy that you poach to go and build things on his own. Um, because I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, this is his first full GM job before he was an assistant GM, I think out of, uh, in Washington. So green Bay too. He was was it, yeah. So, I mean, um, and in each of those, you know, times he, he really did have, um, you know, he, he's basically had strong uh, head coaches to, to work with. And, uh, I mean, if you're going to say anything about Detroit, it's not that they've ever had strong head coaches. So, um, oh God. certainly oh, not a... No, 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 no. Stopping you right now. Um, what? Yeah, okay. Both of you guys make it sound like 
that the Lions haven't done diddly poo for the last 10 years. You do, you do know that they've been to the playoffs in the last 10 years, right? They've had yeah. good teams in the last 10 years. Yeah, they've the squandered recent- the, the career of Calvin Johnson to the nth degree, just like they squandered the career of Barry Sanders to the nth degree. Yeah, okay. That's that's go on. Yeah. yeah, okay, so that's fine. I mean, the, the, these things happen, but it's not – I have to level set with you guys. It's not like they haven't been to the playoffs in the last 10 years. They have. It's the, not like they the haven't. The default in the NFL is going to the playoffs a few times in a 10-year window. So, like, they, they're not, they have not been the Browns, but, I mean, over Yeah, they haven't been the Jets. They haven't been the Browns. That's, so, let's take that. Let's take that as a starting point. Secondly, where, where – this is going to come off accusingly. It's going to sound accusingly because I'm me, and that's what I do. Uh, but where do you guys get off, like, saying uh, the best thing for Snyder is just to remain what he is – and that's playing second fiddle to Pete Carroll. Shouldn't we want him to be the man, the number one guy that can turn around a woebegone franchise like the Detroit Lions? They, for God's sake, Daryl Bevel's their head coach. He can he can go in there, get his own head coach who's subservient to him. He can get the roster of his dreams. You got to remember, this is a guy that told Pete Carroll, no, seriously, Pete, you need Russell Wilson. He had to convince Pete Carroll to get Russell Wilson. This is an opportunity to be the man. We should be, like, happy and proud for him. Uh, if, if, like I said, if the Lions offer enough, uh, he should go take it, man. Don't, don't, be, don't be number two. When I think about the Seahawks in the last 10 years, he's like the 18th or 19th person in that franchise I think of. He could go be number one. I'd love to hear your top 18 before him, but we could talk about that. Russell, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, yeah, uh, John, 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 the, number John, the peanut the, guy. Um, the, yeah, but do you want to be the number one guy that sits on the corner? Job at a dead end town and a dead end franchise, or do you want to be contributing in part of a winning team? I'd rather be number one. In a dead end town, in a dead end franchise, in a dead end. What did, what did Milton say? Milton said, "It's better to be the king of hell." I'm paraphrasing here, but it's better to be the king of hell than a servant <laughs> in heaven. All right. That's uh, yeah. That's, that's your your choice. <laughs> well, you guys act like you I guys would... you guys act like you know exactly what uh, what Snyder wants out of life, and you don't. Like I, I, I never said that I that I thought that I knew what he wanted, and I'm sure that he would like to be the the man. But there's also like an axiom in in management that basically people get promoted until they reach a level of incompetence. And um, the number of superstar can run the whole show, whole organization, top to bottom GMs in any sport is few and far between, especially uh, in the NFL. And I mean, if he thinks that the the situation in Detroit's what he wants, good for him. He should go for it. Um, I'm just, I, I don't think that, I mean, if I was going to rank ownership groups right now, um, and, and looking at their history, I mean, I, I would think that the GM job in, in Jacksonville would be much more appealing, whether it's open or not. I, heck, I, I think the situation in, in Cleveland would be more appealing. Um, but Detroit has just been 
a badly run organization for such a long time and it goes up all the way to the, to the owner's suite. And unless you have a cultural change, um, you know, like onto what happened, say in uh, Tampa Bay in the nineties, when uh, they got new owners and got a whole new organization and rebuilt that into a premier franchise for, for a number of years, you're, you're just not gonna, I don't think it's a good move for him. And I never give my opinion either, Abraham, so don't include me in that conversation. But <laughs> uh, if, if he gets that opportunity, I mean, why not? He needs to put on his big boy pants and hop in his General Lee and drive up to Detroit. I mean, it's a great opportunity for him to give full control of a team. I mean, all the best to him if they make that offer to him. So I guess we'll see what happens. One last thing, Abe. I'm not going to root, by the way, for talented people to leave my team ever. No, I want to hoard all the talent and keep it here like a red dragon in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I want to just say that based off of recent world events, I'd like to not be on the side of the General Lee and and not have uh, people. Yes, yes. <laughs> come, come on, you know where I went I, with that. And I, and I also, I'd also like to clarify when, when I, I, I did not presume to know what John Schneider's thinking. I, I said if I was him, I would do this. You know what the thing. I, that, that's all I said. I put myself in his shoes, but he's totally free to do what he wants. If he wants to take on the new challenge, more power to him. Should he jump in? The, should he jump in the General Lee? And why not? I will miss him, but I will look forward to getting a GM who knows how to draft in the first and second round. There you go. There's a pot. <laughs> that has been inexplicable, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been blind spot. He's amazing at third and fourth value picks. But he how really much, is. He's good at value picks. How much? How much though? First, second round. How much though is uh, Pete Carroll meddling? I would guess a lot. Yeah, me too. Well, I'm sure they sit down and they come up with their big board together. You know, and but the problem is, is that in the first round you don't go off the if you're if the, if the highest guy on your list is a projected third rounder and you're sitting there at pick 20, you don't take the third rounder at pick 20. You go and look at the best available on the real board and you go, whoa, okay, we can fit that guy in right away. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll just, I, I just think back to some of the, the Seahawks teams that were, um, that, that were good in the, in, you know, the Pete Holmgren era, sorry, not Pete, Pete Holmgren. Um, Mike, Mike, Mike Holmgren, Holmgren era, era. Where, like, they drafted the best player available, say, like, I don't know, Hall of Famer Sean Alexander, even though they had Ricky Waters. Yeah, but you, the problem... You, you take the best player available, and then you figure out how to use them. Yeah, but there was a problem with that era, though, Rich, in that if you look at who Mike Holmgren drafted when he had combined GM and mm -hmm. coach positioning, his, yeah. his draft picks were Corn Robinson. It was it was when they had Tim Lai Tim Laiwiki, Todd Laiwiki, yeah, Todd um, Todd Laiwiki. Um, that's when you got the Sean Alexanders, um, right? Yeah. So it, it the a strong GM means a lot, and I don't know. I I I'm still you know on board with John Snyder not being in the general league, like maybe uh, the kit car, you know, Night Rider, um, yep. and driving off to Detroit. Well, uh, yeah, okay, that would make sense because what, what was um, wasn't it a Trans Am? 
It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Pontiac built in Detroit. Sounds good. <laughs> But his name is John Schneider. Come on. I don't give a shit what they think. It's a General Lee. Hop I'm, just, I'm just saying he'd have to show up in an American-made Detroit-built car. Actually, I think, the, I think the General Lee was a Dodge Charger, wasn't it? It I was. Yeah. But we're objecting to the paint job, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> and the name, I guess. Um, and. Last Seahawk question before we talk some brief NFL. We had a pre-show topic we discussed about who has had the best season by Seahawks wide receiver of all time or the or duo. Um, before I get your opinions, I'll just throw my two cents in. Steve Lar- Maybe I'm old school, but Steve Largent, I, best wide receiver of all time, had one of the many of the best seasons of all time. I know we're t- probably more referring to yardage and touchdowns and catches, but I'll always love Steve Largent, and that'll be my favorite. As for the duo, obviously Lockett and Metcalf. So who are you guys' – what are you guys' thoughts on the Seahawks' best seasons of, of all time? Their wide, rec- their wide outs. Well, why Matthew not- Page. Okay. okay. Sorry. I'm go first. Um, in terms of a single performer, single wide receiver, um, I'm going to go with uh, Steve Largent, 1985, that year, the, the, the old record that got broken by D.K. Metcalf. Um, he caught 79 passes for 1,287 yards in an era that you just absolutely got just tackled trying to catch balls. I mean, it was a completely different era. They didn't have, they didn't have the hands off. You can't even look at a wide receiver rules that they have now. Uh, in the NFL, and um, the honest truth is, is that I think that's more impressive than DK's stats. Now, I'm not taking anything away from DK's, but the honest truth is, is I think DK is going to break that own his own record a few times, more times before he retires. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 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 set for bigger and, and bigger years coming down the road. Uh, so I don't, I can't pick his his season this year, honestly, as as the best because. His best is yet to come, uh, but Steve Largent is just—it was another era, and and top notch. It, it's tough to make those that many catches and that many yards in that era. Abraham, oh yeah, I got a problem with you. Um, uh, other than being here with, with Solak, so now it's Solak. Now now it's him. And his, oh my, his cougar loving uh, oddity. Uh, the question is. For me, why did you say obvious? Because it's not obvious. Like if you look at if you look at the '95 Seahawks, you had two wide receivers in Galloway and Blades break a thousand yards, and Galloway was around in '95. Was it '96? '97, I thought. '96. '96. It was '96. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank, thank you for correcting me on the year. It doesn't, it doesn't impede my, my con, my conversation point, which is, it's not <laughs> obvious because that was done with fricking Rick Meyer as the damn quarterback, a guy who can't hit the broadside of the barn, you know, a guy who, who basically, you know, uh, he, he was Ryan leaf in talent without all the craziness. Like wow. he, he just sucked. He was terrible. He was no good. Somehow uh, he ended up with an NFL he, career. I'm not saying he was amazing, but okay. 
What's that? I wish I could. Sw- I wish I could swear more you right now. I would, but anyways. Ryan Ryan Leaf was amazing in talent. So you're talking. You're saying he was amazing. Oh, all those twenty interceptions he threw in his rookie year—that was amazing. Yeah, you couldn't do that. I could. No, I could couldn't. definitely do that. I could no, do it in one game. I could all do it in one game. Would have gotten bad at the line. Abe. <laughs> yeah. You're saying I'm too short to play quarterback, um, but uh, <laughs> no. No, uh, I'm saying your throws are weak sauce. Oh, <laughs> go on, Abe. Go on, Abe. Yeah, I, I can hit a slant pass. Okay. Which, but if I played for the Seahawks, they'd never call one. So who cares? So you're saying um, you could outplay Tim Tebow? Uh, I I can throw to both sides of the field equally effectively. Yes, um, Tebow can only throw to the left side of the field. Um, but no, getting back to the main point though, I mean, you had, you had Galloway and Braids and uh, Galloway and Blades, and this is a tremendous recency bias that everybody seems to have. And this is where I, this is where I refuse to call myself a 12. I am not a 12 because I watched the Seahawks before 2013. And, and, and I know of great players that have played in the past, even if it was on crappy, crappy teams with crappy records and the worst quarterback, Kelly Stoffers, the Rick Myers of the world, the M- M- Mark Dan, McGuire, Dan McGuire, Mar- Dan McGuire. Um, yeah. I wish we had Mark McGuire. Um, that would have been better. Um, <laughs> Abe, you, you do realize they retired the 12 number in 1984. It did not start in 2013. Exactly. That's not what I'm saying. You missed the point. I do not. I know. I do not use so you this. You could be a 12 from no. that era. Yeah. I'm bad. a 12th no man. One called them I'm a 12th man. Matt, yeah. that's what we uh, were called this, back then. This uh, is Bob Garner said you're a 12th fan, 12th man. <laughs> she said I'm a 12. <laughs> so, um, so you're you're a, you're a copyright infringement uh, stealing person from Texas A&M. Well, first first of all, that copyright's bull bull crap because hey, Iowa State Iowa State actually no they have it they were they were greedy incredibly greedy and went after a copyright that they did not invent. It was actually invented at Ohio, at Iowa State University. But, um, you know, the, fine, that's good for them. They're going to make some money. It's American dream. I don't care. What I'm trying to tell you is this, there's this term called the 12s that only came up after the Seahawks stopped paying or started or stopped paying for that copyright, uh, whatever it is, exemption, whatever the heck it's called. So I will not call myself a 12 because I understand that football existed before 2013 and that there were actually good type, good players and good teams, uh, you know, way back in the day. So, yeah. Okay, fine. University of Minnesota, you get what I mean, Matt Page. Yeah, I guess. Not you guess, you know. I'll you know I'm it. right. I'll... You know I'm right. So, Brian, Brian Blades and Joey Galloway, the best duo ever. Okay. In Seahawks. That's, that's, that's your point. Yeah. Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, no, it's not my point. You, you, you're you're mischaracterizing uh, what I'm saying. They had the best season as a duo in Seahawks history. Uh-huh. So okay. go ahead. Go ahead, Rich. No, I was just going to – I was going to ask you who you thought had – which Seahawks wide receiver had the best single individual season. I was just curious. John L. John L. Williams. John L. Williams in 1989, I believe, almost had 100 – 100 catches that year. Yes. Not a wide receiver, but okay. <laughs> he set he set the precedent. Well, him and him and uh, Roger Craig, right? 
they set the precedent for running backs being, uh, being mainstay receivers, right? Larry centers was another one for the Phoenix Cardinals. They were called the Phoenix Ooh. Cardinals at that time. So yeah, there what you was go. His name? What was Larry. His name? Larry. Okay. Larry. Larry. So you've dodged the question: who, who was the best? Who had the best? Who had the best Seahawks wide receiver? He doesn't want to agree with me. That's that's what Oh, okay. Uh, I, 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 how about Corin Robinson? Didn't he have the most yards in one season? Yeah, the third most yards in a single season. Yeah, okay. 2002. Only five touchdowns, though. I'm just trying to say that there are receivers that existed before freaking DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So there, man. Uh, I got a random trivia question for you guys. Uh, who is number two all time in receiving yards as a Seattle Seahawks uh, tight end? Tight end? How about Etua Mealy? Nailed it. First guess. <laughs> nice. That, no, it's not really that nice. Matt, actually, you mentioned that like years ago to me. And it's stuck in my <laughs> yeah. brain because my brain got stuck. I was like, no. No, that can't be right. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, number uh, number one is of course Jimmy Graham. Really? Yeah. yeah. As a tight end, number uh, one tight end. Oh, okay. He's number seventeen on the all-time list, but he's the number one tight end. John Williams, by the way, is number eight all-time receiving yard leader in <clears throat> Seattle Seahawks uh, history. Boom, John L. Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to jump in here. I I will say that the best receiving season by a Seahawks wide receiver was Sing, Tyler singular. Lockett in singular season. Okay. Was Tyler Lockett in 2018? Why? Ten touchdowns, 16.9 yards per catch, and he caught 81.4 percent of the balls thrown his way. That set a record, by the way. Yeah. Um, NFL record, you mean? Yeah, or? that was an NFL record. Uh, Wilson to Lockett, highest QB rating uh, from a quarterback to a wide receiver in league history. Wow. Now, if you want to oh, be dear. a little more old school, I'm actually going to go with Daryl. I'm sure he had a nickname. Deep Turner. Deep, uh, was oh. it Deep Treat? Deep Treat? I think yeah, I think yeah, something like that. Sweet um, I remember he was my he was my guy when I, the very first time I ever saw a Seahawks game. Um, he he caught this incredibly badly thrown ball. It was a complete duck from Dave Craig, and somehow like <laughs> caught it over his shoulder, weaved around like twenty six guys, and scores a touchdown. Nineteen eighty five, Daryl Turner, thirteen touchdowns on only thirty four receptions. Uh, he also was insanely good another year. He had um, 10 touchdowns, I think, in 1984. Uh, it was one of those years. Uh, yeah, it was 1984. 715 um, yards receiving on 35 catches. Averaged 20.4 yards per catch and had 10 touchdowns. 10 touchdowns, yeah. Yeah, so uh, he and Steve Largent in 1984 are, is my duo. What did Largent do that year? Largent had 74 catches, uh, 1,000, uh, 1,100 1, yards, 15.7 yards per catch as the quote-unquote possession receiver, and 12 touchdowns. Jeez. <laughs> I, 
thought I thought they called Daryl Turner. The, didn't they call Daryl Turner the touchdown maker? Uh, they yeah. called him. They called yeah. him Deep Heat. Daryl Deep Heat Turner. That's that's right. That's and a the, great nickname. The, yeah, I uh, love my, it. Right? My 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 honorable mention for um, I guess maybe it's just my favorite Seahawks season by a wide receiver was 2005. Joe. Uh, I only have legs for my body, Jurevicious. <laughs> oh yeah, um, ten my... touchdowns, um, and he was like the fourth receiver. That was two thousand five. Two thousand five Super Bowl year. Yep. Yeah, over that. Yeah. Unlike Daryl Turner, I, I I can't remember nineteen eighty four. I was two years old that time. <laughs> That's because well, you if you if you look up a couple of YouTube videos, it, yeah, I'll have to. Good. Pretty good highlights there. Um, That's and then you're... I want to I give honorable mention to the Daryl Jackson, Corin Robinson, and Bobby Engram trio. That was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, that might have been uh, the best. Back, throw the ball around. Uh, around, and I can't remember who the tight end was. He was that would have been that would have been Jeremy. I drove my car through a Stevens? senior old folks Stevens. home. Stevens, yes, that's right. That'd okay. be Jeremy. I married a psycho. Uh, goalkeeper. <laughs> appropriately, appropriately, you know, they 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 really found each other. Yes. And, and she is she is the she is the the goat. She is the greatest of all time uh, for the U.S. women. Um, well, and she beat the crap out of him. Rich, Rich blink. She sure did. Rich blink three times if Hope Solo made you say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah, never met her. Never been around her. Wouldn't want to be around her. She seems a little. Um, uns, un, unsettled, uh, but yeah, I, I, I liked. Uh, oh, and it was also we had Maurice Morris as the as the third down back. Oregon, it was really fun to watch uh, Hasselbeck throw the ball. Um, Oregon Ducky in two thousand. Yep. All right, moving on. I have I one. Notice I didn't even bring that up. You, you did. I just just one point. That <laughs> Go ahead, Solak. Props to you, man. Um, it's wild card weekend, obviously. We have Indianapolis versus Buffalo, the Rams versus the Seahawks, Tampa Bay versus Washington on Saturday. We have the Ravens against the Titans, the Bears against the Saints, and the Browns versus the Steelers on Sunday. Uh, what are your best wild card game, and what is your worst wild card game? I will go real quick so I can hear what you guys think. Um, the Ravens versus the Titans, I think, is the best game of the weekend. And personally, I think the worst game of the weekend is the Bears versus the Saints. So who cares? To, anyway, because <laughs> oh, uh, I'm who calling. Wants to, who wants to go first? I'll do it. Uh, calling upset special. Browns beat the Steelers, and uh, the other the other I'm calling it moment. Uh, I will fall asleep during that Bears game. <laughs> I I was gonna say yeah. I think the old the the old AFC Central rivalry of the Steelers versus the Browns. Um, and you stole my thunder on the upset special there. Um, I, I think that there's not going to be, uh, well, I mean, I, I think the Buccaneers are going to be Washington, but, um, I don't think that anyone thinks that that's an upset. So, um, for me, the best game of the week I'm looking forward to is the Colts, the bills. I'm surprised no one else picked that one. It looks like it's going to be a real good game. I'm looking forward to it. And the, uh, worst game of the week. The Bears Saints comes close, but I will have to say the Buccaneers Washington because Washington basically or Buccaneers basically get a bye week. 
Um, All right. They're gonna they're gonna crush Washington, and it's it's not even gonna be funny. I don't think that's fair. Next- I don't think that's fair. Actually, um, I don't think Washington will score any points, but I think their defense is damn. It's a damn fine defense that should put the fear of God. Well, you know, should into- only hold the Buccaneers to thirty points. They'll hold them. Uh, I'll call it right now. Uh, Twenty four nothing. Okay, that's a that's a blowout. But okay, but that defense will heroically. You know, um, sack Tom Brady like four times. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they got an amazing D line. There's no doubt about that. Uh, my next question was the upset of the weekend. A couple of you guys already said that, but Matt, uh, before I ask you, Matt, my upset of the weekend was Indianapolis over Buffalo. I mean, do you have an upset for the weekend? Um, I don't really think there's going to be any. Uh, well, okay, I guess if I had to pick one, it would be the Browns beating the Steelers. Okay, I think so the Browns could do it. I, I really think they could. Three, three of you guys. Right the, way, the way the the way the Steelers have played lately, and the the play of uh, of a Big Ben that's dropped off in a big way. Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, it, there's some concerning things about the Steelers and um, the the Browns. They're coming in with all the hype and all the excitement of being not being in the playoffs for so long, and and they got a really good running back core, and they've got Baker, who's learned to make less mistakes. Uh, so you know it'll be interesting. I agree. As long as Baker <clears throat> remi- reminds himself, you know, I, I'm I'm not just a commercial. You know, walking commercial <laughs> that I actually need to play football. Then I think they should be fine, and they need to remember to run the damn ball. That's a lot, a lot, because that's their yeah. identity. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. I, I think that this is a case. You know, you said that Drew Brees was was washed up. I think that was Abe. Yes, uh, I did. Yeah, okay. I stand by that, and I. I will say that Ben Roethlisberger is washed up. He is going off the cliff, like all the pundits have said, including myself, uh, that Tom Brady was going to do five years ago. Uh, but but it's actually happening for him. Um, the Steelers started the season off, if I'm not mistaken, eleven and zero, and they've gone one and four since. Yep. So, yeah, yeah it's. I, I think the Browns. Um, my my other th- my other thought is. You know, one of the ways you you pick basketball games is by who has the best player, right? You know, football obviously is the best team, but one of the key ways to look at it is who has the better quarterback, which quarterback has the best, biggest upside, which one has the low, you know, the worst downside. Roethlisberger has a lower upside and a high, uh, a worse downside, and um, Baker can pull out amazing plays every once in a while. So, going Browns. Right on. A uh, couple quick college football questions. Moving on, did the Oregon Ducks embarrass themselves in the Fiesta Bowl <laughs> and the Pac-12? <laughs> my my response is yes, they embarrassed themselves and their embarrassment to the Pac-12. <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts, real quick? Abraham, let's go with you first. I think this will be entertaining. Uh, that was me laughing in the background. Um, <laughs> they're they're an embarrass. Their uniforms are embarrassments. Um, people who've gone to that college are embarrassments. Um, that Fiesta Bowl was laughable as far as embarrassing. And uh, they're not the sole reason that the Pac-12 is an embarrassment, but they didn't help. Matthew Page, you care to counter? With- 
Okay, so it's beat up on Matt time. All right, uh, yeah. So yes, they embarrassed themselves. Absolutely, uh, we were. I was expecting a loss. I, I freely admit that going into the game, I did not expect it to be that embarrassing. I was excited to see that they learned and, and they they put in our future quarterback and took out Chuck. Um, he can't. He he's he's physically talented, but his he just he's got a nickel brain. He just does makes makes the stupidest decisions. Um, and so we've got a new quarterback. We saw him, we saw him try out and, uh, he looked pretty good. And that was the only, that was the only upside for me. I was, I, I gave up on the game pretty much immediately because it was pretty obvious. And, um, as far as being a embarrassment for the PAC 12, I think the PAC 12 is, is, doesn't need us to embarrass them. I think they're already embarrassing enough. Uh, I I really think it's time to clean house at the at the starting with Larry Scott and 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 make some big changes. Um, and uh, I am I'm also still upset that that uh, they they allowed the Rose Bowl to be to be uh, moved to Texas. It was not the Rose Bowl, but that's another topic. Rich, do you have thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the last time the Rose Bowl was moved was during World War Two. Because there were blackouts on the, the the west coast and the east coast, so um, we don't have anything you know that nearing that. That, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I mean, it actually it was national security, so I mean, like, actually made sense. Um, my my one thing, I'm not going to pile on the ducks, but I'm just surprised that a team that should be used to holding onto the ball in the rain and the wet couldn't hold onto the ball in the dry and the heat. Uh, of the Fiesta Bowl. We were uh, mediocre all year, and I don't know why people didn't notice that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I noticed. Uh, yeah, I kind of noticed too. But um, <laughs> anyway, but if maybe, uh, what, 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 what can I say? My team um, couldn't seem to stop itself from catching COVID multiple times. So um, we're, we're, yeah, anyway. Uh, no, I, I think the whole conference is an embarrassment. They should have stuck to their guns and played football in the spring. We'd have something to look forward to. Uh, my next question, I, I don't really want to talk about the college football semifinals, but Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Justin Clemson versus Ohio State. Justin Fields kicked ass in that game. I don't want to talk about the game, but is Justin Fields a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence? Anybody care to chime in on that? The answer is no. Why? He's an Ohio State quarterback. He's a product of the system. I, I don't trust Justin Fields whatsoever at all. He's a, great athlete. He's a great athlete. I got to give him props for that. But he is, he's not, he's not, it's an illusion. Why did Ohio State kick, kick their ass? And because I, I, Ohio State is better at every other position on the field. That's how you win. Wait, 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 wait. He was with Georgia, though, before he went to Ohio State. Justin Fields? Yeah. Yeah, so? So I don't know if you can call him yet another Ohio State prospect. He, he does have experience elsewhere. True. True. But he, you know, he wasn't great there, and he had to transfer. And then all what, of a sudden, he's a product of the system. I'll, I'll, I'll support Matt's statement. What, what Matt is saying is that Ohio State doesn't actually produce superstar 
quarterback talent that's truly great on its own. Um, he's saying that Justin Fields is like Mark Bolger at the St. Louis Rams in the mid two thousands. Um. Yeah. Okay. I can go with that. Yeah. That's, he's going to produce stats. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking. You, I mean, you had Kurt Warner, who truly was a great quarterback, um, and you had Mark Bolger, and Bolger had better stats than Kurt Warner. But no one in their right mind would say that Mark Bolger is actually a better quarterback than Kurt my, Warner. Yeah, my my thinking is, you pull him out of that system, and you plop him in an NFL team that obviously is going to have a dry, high draft pick, so they're going to have some big holes, and he's not going to do well. Right now, he's, he's like an Alabama quarterback. I'm, you know, he's he's completely surrounded by an NFL talent at every single position. He could throw the ball within ten yards of a wide receiver, and they they magically catch it because they're all NFL caliber receivers. I think this is all a moot. And, this is all a moot point anyway. Because by the way, Matt, you are correct, and I'm being proved right about Tua Tagovailoa. Is he played with NFL wide receivers? He, oh yeah. And so now it's being shown that yeah, when you don't have when you don't have well, those guys, yeah, it's not as good. Well, you know who made remember, look at remember, look at remember Johnny Football. You know, oh, yeah. you know what you know who made Johnny Football? Mike Evans. Well, same with Tim Tebow. Who who made Tim Tebow? Aaron Hernandez, and yep. um, mm-hmm. uh, who who was uh, Percy Harvin? Like it, Percy it, Harvin, yeah. No, I think. Yeah. And as much as I hate to say this, um, you might want people might want to keep an eye. On ugh, BYU Cougar Zach Wilson, keep an eye on this guy, uh, and then keep an eye keep an eye on uh, the guy out of out of uh, uh, Texas, uh, Sam Ellinger. Like, keep an eye. They're going to go to good teams because they're not going to be in the top ten, right? Um, and Actually, if, the BYU quarterback has been recently projected as high as number three. Is that a new development? That's way too high. He's That's he's this, he's, he's what I like to call what I like to call the um, uh, well crap. What was his name? I'm totally blanking on it. But the Blake Bortles and um, uh, who is the guy quarterback uh, that came out of uh, Miss um, Blaine Gabbert? He's the Blaine Gabbert of this this off season. Every year there's a Blaine Gabbert that gets hyped to all hell and 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 just absolutely oh he's got the arm and he's got the prototypal build and he's going to be amazing. That's not a good that's, that's not a good spot for him to be at. I, I would like no. him I would like him better like in the back half of the first round. Like like your uh, Teddy Bridgewaters. Um Yeah. Yeah, where you can sit behind a guy for a year and then hang out and do something well, then. Here's the thing that about uh He won't last that long though. That's a mistake, but um well, if you look, if you look at the NFL draft right now, if you take no, a look no, at the I, NFL I, draft, I, I believe you, but I, the I agree. top like fourteen teams need a quarterback. It's crazy. Ugh. And at number two is the New York Jets, who are potentially trading that spot. And Justin Fields right now is projected to be number two, potentially, and they might trade that spot because they could get a huge haul in terms of draft picks, and they'd have like forty-seven holes. So it would be a smart well, thing to do. Yeah. And then, of course, the Jets or not the Jets, the uh, the Jaguars will ruin Trevor Lawrence somehow, and so they will. They'll break him. Yeah. Yep. E- even if what's his face is their new coach, the Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. They'll ruin him with him. No, oh yeah, because they they won't they won't get him enough of a supporting cast. There's <clears throat> there's a there's one good wideout. There's a really good running back, and there's 
maybe like two good offensive linemen on that team still on the offense, but they really need some help, and I don't think they'll get Lawrence enough help. And they need a whole defense. Yeah. They need an entire defense because Tom Coughlin scared everyone away. <laughs> maybe John Schneider will hop in the General Lee and go south and help them out. <laughs> that would be more appropriate. That would be more appropriate, there. yes. Um, yeah moving on i mean we probably know the answer to this but who's gonna win the title game next monday night ohio state or alabama i'm alabama would be my prediction but you're asking me i'm at a loss here both teams wear red and i hate them both so um i i hope that it's a tie with 17 overtimes and everyone gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. You're basically, you're asking me like to choose between Kylo Ren and Darth Vader. It's like, these are the two bad guys in my opinion. And these are the two, these are the two teams that benefit from a four team playoff. And, you know, uh, just based off of their, just based off of their marquee names, they yeah. end up in this 14 playoff every effing season. And I'm tired of it. Um, so the winner of the college football invitational, uh, refuse to call it the college football playoff now, um, is going to be giant meteor. I'm rooting for giant meteor. I root for the meteor as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to watch the game. I, 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 I have no desire to watch the game at all. And I'm a huge college football fan and I can usually turn on the team, turn on the TV and watch any teams. I, I get a kick out of watching Ball State versus Toledo or something like that. That would be but, much preferable. But but I, I honestly have zero negative desire to watch this game. I'm, I'm not going to watch it. Fair enough. I, I, yeah, I actually agree with you. So, um, Do we have time to talk a little bit of baseball or do you guys need to go? I got time. Baseball. We can do baseball. Yeah, let's do some baseball. All right, that's the one oh with God, the man. that's the one with the white ball with the stitches, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah there there oh, was yeah. a big there was a big move today. Uh yeah. Let, we let's start out with that. Uh, the Cleveland, in, I mean, nobody saw it coming, at least in my opinion. But Cleveland Indians traded um, Lindor, their shortstop, and who's their pitcher? God, I'm Carlos so Carrasco. Thank you, Carrasco. He's like their number two starter to the New York Mets for. Adam Rosario, a middle infielder who plays shortstop and three guys I never heard of. But it, in my opinion, it was a great move for both teams. I mean, if you got, if any of you cares, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll go first. Um, the, there was an article on cleveland.com that called it the day baseball died. Uh, this uh, Cleveland fans are up in arms over this. This is a disaster. Yeah, this is a disaster for a team that is, it's in contention. They just decided we give up. We're not going to do it. We ain't going to pay these guys. Get the heck out. Um, and then from the Mets side, I don't understand. They had, uh, and I, I, I sound hypocritical when I say this, they had good prospects <laughs> for shortstop. Um and infield players, I don't think they needed Francisco Lindor based off of what I've been reading this morning. And uh, it, it just, it seems like, you know, uh, a new owner, I forget the name of the owner, uh, but he has more money than anybody in the universe, apparently. Yep. Um, yep. And so he's just willing to throw his money around. And uh, the pitcher I get, 
uh, or not the pitcher. Didn't they throw in a pitcher prospect? Yeah, yeah Carrasco. 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 Okay. Um, the pitcher. I, I, I don't understand the Linder. Like what? You got these guys that are ready to come up, and I don't think the Mets are one step away from winning the World Series. Like I don't get it. Well, you got to remember that that they they have amazing pitching, and this just adds to that depth of that rotation. When you when you, get, you get Thor back, and you get and you have you have Degrom, and and now you have Carrasco, and you have um, there's another good dude there. I'm blanking on it. Was oh, it Wheeler? Did they resign Wheeler? No, Wheeler nope. went to the Phillies. Yeah, um, they've got another guy. But anyway, um, the the idea is this 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 take some up a notch with, with Lindor adding the best shortstop in the game, arguably right now. Um, and over the last couple of years, uh, I agree with the, I agree with Cleveland.com. All Cleveland fans have the right to be upset. They are basically, <laughs> they're throwing it, they're throwing it. And, and, but the thing is, is the ownership there, the ownership group is, is a piece of junk. They're terrible people. They basically told their, their, uh, their owner was quoted last year as saying, enjoy Lindor while you can. Um, because they weren't going to pay him. So they knew they were going to trade him no matter what. And this was their attempt to get the best deal possible. And the reality is, is the Mets were the only ones that were willing to spend to get him. And, uh, and this allowed them to get rid of Carrasco. Carrasco was due like $26 million or something. $27 million this next year. Um, oh, $27 million over the next two years, sorry. And they didn't want to pay him either. And so they they don't want to commit. They 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 want to cut back and and try and be the Tampa Bay of the North, and 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 try and run on you know without spending too much money on one single player. I guess so, uh, if so, I, if I could interject, uh, I just found the yeah. name. I found the name, uh, Ronnie, uh, and I'm probably murdering this last name, uh, Mauricio. He's the top shortstop prospect in the major leagues, and the Mets decided. Why don't we take the veteran that costs more? Like, I'm, well, they could then trade him for something, or they could move him to third, or they move Lindor to third. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, but they got rid of Mauricio. Oh, you mean uh, Ahmed Rosario? Um, yeah, he's, no, Ronnie, he's, Ronnie Marcio. Oh no, then they then they didn't get rid of him. He's not part of the deal. Oh, he wasn't part of. Sorry, I thought I read that he was. I thought they got rid of their top shortstop. This is what I read. Uh, they got rid of their young young infielder, which was Ahmed Rosario, who is supposed to develop but never really did. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I think that this was a mistake from the Mets, but not for any of the reasons that you say. Um, dramatic, a, dramatic, he, pause. He, <laughs> dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Francisco Lindor had a humongous drop-off last season. And I know it's only 60 games. But, I mean, he went from slugging 500. He went from having an on-base percentage. Uh, that, was, that was pretty stable. But, like, his batting average dropped. His slugging percentage dropped. Um, his wins above replacement, which I know Abe hates, Dude. they dropped as well. Um, and... I mean, even the year before that, all of his stats were down uh, from, you know, the, the three years before that. So I don't know that he's necessarily the foundation piece that you build around. Um, 
and you know, with the money that he wants to command, I I think this is going to be another albatross contract for the Mets, uh, in you know a long history of them going back you know thirty years. So they're still paying Bobby Benilla. I mean, they don't need to. Uh, they don't need to uh, build around him. They've got the cornerstone that is Robbie Cano. I mean, come on. <laughs> He's suspended for a year, though. Yeah. Oh, you're playing. Okay, I copied that. <laughs> but by the way, by the way, speaking of Bobby Vanilla, the, the 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 new owner wants to have a Bobby Vanilla day and and, and celebrate it at the ballpark once a year that's when he comes great. up with the check. That's kind of that is kind of funny. That's 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 great. You you got to live live up with your uh, live up to your mistakes and the the funny parts of your. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love that idea. But I mean, as far as the pitching goes, I I mean. I have no problem with the pitching. Carrasco looks like, you know, he's he's been solid for a long, long time um, at the major league level. So um, I think that that part of the acquisition is actually probably better, even though I'm sure that Lindor is the one that gets all the headlines and is probably what they think that they they wanted the most. But uh, but I, I think you know you can't have too much starting pitching in, in major league baseball. So what it comes down uh, to then essentially is Cleveland ain't going to spend the money for Carrasco or Linder. That was they uh, were not going to resign them. They they were looking to dump Carrasco anyway. So they're they're this was their attempt to get something for nothing. And I, the Mets were the business in town. Well, then in in a way, it's kind of shocking to me that Cleveland fans are this disjointed about it. If, if, um, well, if they have was, a right to be angry. I mean, but they saw it coming. They were not so. They yeah. shouldn't be shocked yeah. by it, but they, they should be angry. Okay, because until I was thinking, there's, I was going to say, until there's more of a of more of some semblance of a salary equity in Major League Baseball, this is going to continue to be the story for a long time. Yeah, there needs to be there needs to be a minimum salary cap or something because teams like I don't know to throw out throw out the best best example, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Have made a have made a complete business out of intentionally sucking every single year and harvesting the revenue sharing for money. Yeah, there needs uh, to be a salary floor as well as salary cap. Um, yeah. But here's the deal: is I, I just I'm a little confused. I, I just feel you guys can correct me because I know you guys are you, you follow teams other than the Mariners. I only really follow the Mariners. Um, uh, why? They've, they're so close to winning a champ. Am I wrong? Aren't, weren't they close to winning? Uh, it it just seems like they were they were right there with you know uh, Justin Bieber or whatever the hell his name is, and um, you know obviously Carrasco. It seems like they have great players, and they're just giving up. Maybe they can't afford well, him though. I, the thing is. They, the thing is, is they, they well, they can't afford Lindor. Lindor is going to command four hundred million dollars, yeah. or something insane, uh, and they can't afford that at all. They're not even in the, the, the remote, the same zip code uh, of, of being able to afford that. And then they, you need to look at their division. You've got the Twins, who are crazy strong and continuing along that path. They've developed talent really well, and they've done some very smart free agent signings, and they're going to be very strong for another year or two at least. And you've got the White Sox, who are going to be juggernauts for like the next decade at the rate they're going, and and you know the Indians with some smart decisions finished third in their division, um, and made it into the playoffs in the expanded playoffs. But are they really going to have? I mean, even if they kept these guys, are they really going to have a chance every year? Probably not. 
So the best chance is maybe let's break this down. Let's realize we're going to lose this guy in another year anyway because of, uh, of, of we can't afford him. And so their best bet is to get some value out of him now. Unfortunately, they had to settle for Mets players because the Mets saw, have, money. Uh, you know, have money and were, able, were willing to take him on because they can, re- they can sign him for a long term um, after his contract is up. And well, this was the best deal they got. They took, they took the salary dump of Carrasco over probably better prospects. Well, I guess, hell, the Mariners made off like bandits with the Kellenic trade, right? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's never happening again. That level that trade, if, well, at least for the Mets. So here's my question: Like, how? How? I, I'll be honest. I have not followed uh, minor league prospects uh, for 15 years, probably. Um, how? How major league ready are these? Are these prospects? Uh, well, let's see. The there are uh, two players that are actually um, um, major league level, which are. Um, which are the Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, mm-hmm. and they both they both uh, Jimenez is actually a pretty pretty decent guy. Um, to to just despite Abraham, he had a one point one WAR this last year. Um, <laughs> he uh, you don't you want know, that. He, for, for a, he, he plays three positions: shortstop, second, and third. He's a utility guy. He he hit two sixty three, three dingers. Uh, you know, it, on base percentage was 30-33, pretty good. Ahmed Rosario was a former prop prospect. He did squat this year, um, but uh, he he still has the potential. He's only twenty five. Maybe they can tweak his swing or something like that, and actually get him to do something well. Um, so he's potential. The other two are um, a, a right-handed pitcher and, named Josh Wolf and an outfielder named Isaiah Green. Um, both are like 19, um, or so, um, and both are very far away. Uh, let's see here. Um, Josh Wolf is, so Josh Wolf is 20. He's, uh, he last played in rookie league, uh, you know, so he's, he's far, far away. And the same with Isaiah Green as well. They're, they're recent, they're very recent draft picks. Um, these guys are a long way away and we don't know what they're going to turn into. Um, so basically Cleveland, what they did was they dumped a ton of salary in, in Carrasco and they got these guys, the, you know, two middle infielders and two wild cards for the future, um, in return. So by the way, I had to look it up, but, um, the guy I thought that they were getting rid of, uh, Ronnie Mercedio only 19. Yeah. He's still a ways off. So <clears throat> yeah, they got, they got time to figure out what to do with him. He might not, he might not project as a short stop anyway. Well, like you said, he might, maybe you move either Hammerlinder to third base or something. Yeah. They, it, like they got a big, it's like 2022, I think is what their 2023 is, is their ETA basically for him. So they got some time. A- anyways, I, I don't care what Abraham says. If <laughs> if the Mets can sign Lindor to a long term contract, they won this deal, in my opinion. That's 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 what they they're going to. They they will. They'll get. They'll pay him what he wants. Amen. They kind of have to now. They kind of have to. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They, they the can game. afford. They can afford it. Um, I really don't want to get into Hall of Fame talk just because of the time, but I do want to bring this up. Omar Vizquel, former Mariner, former Cleveland Indian, who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but and he's up for the votes, but recently he got arrested for domestic violence, and I know MLB look, he really looks down on players for this. 
Does this affect his chances to get into the Hall of Fame? I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Abraham. Oh, yeah, this is bad. This isn't good. Um, we don't know. I have to I have to bring this up. We don't know whether it happened or not. So it's not right for us to judge. Um, so all I can do is judge what I think will happen. And I think voters will turn against him. I agree. Um, I can tell you right now, uh, it is hurting him so far on the early, the early, uh, the, the, the public ballots that we know of so far. Uh, for those who don't know, there's a, there's a great, um, uh, at Mr. T- at not Mr. Tibbs, uh, on Twitter, uh, is a, is a, there's a guy who follows, uh, his name is Ryan Thibodeau. He, uh, he follows all the, all the votes and he puts his, um, uh, tracker up online for everyone to follow. And the Mariners actually invited him and he threw out a first pitch for us, uh, two years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he, he was royalty in the box and Edgar Martinez and, and their family, his whole family, like greeted him and excited because they'd watched his site with you know, anticipation for you know Edgar going in. Um, right now, as of this moment, they know 116 public ballots, um, about, so about 31% of the ballots, and they know that right now he's tracking at 40%, and he needs 75% to get in. So I think it is impacting him. A lot of the ballots haven't been, haven't been submitted yet. They don't have to be yet. So there might be some people waiting for a you know, if he's going to be convicted or indicted or whatever on it or, you know, anything like that and see what the legal situation is before they cast the ballot on him. But there, I think what's going to happen is a lot of, a lot of people who have that, that, you know, there's a limit on, you can only cast a ballot for 10, 10 players maximum. And there's a lot of qualifying guys here that, that are, you know, you can make the argument for and If it comes down to, you know, Hey, this guy or this guy, and one of them is Vizquel, they he's in his fourth year out of 10 on the ballot. They might just go. Okay, well, I'm going to wait for. I'm going to. I'm going to leave Omar off because I don't know how, legally what that's going down, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll look at it again next year. So I think I think Rich, it's yeah. Rich, you uh, counter. Yeah, it. I mean, it's going to have an impact. Um, I mean, looking at players' character is something that the Hall of Fame has done for a long time, uh, not necessarily equitably or well. But it is something that they have done. Um, the allegations seem to be credible and seem to be supported. I think this looks incredibly bad for uh, for Omar. And it's too bad when we see some of our heroes. Um, I mean, maybe they show that they're not really heroes. They're just people that we looked up to um, and probably misplaced some of our uh, uh, admiration. So, and mostly it's a sad well story. Said. Oh, very much so. I agree. Uh, last quick baseball question before we wrap it up. MLB announced earlier this week that they believe spring training is starting on time. I disagree. I think COVID's still going to be an issue. What are you guys' thoughts? I mean, I, I hope they do. I, I mean, but I really don't think so. What do you guys think? Uh, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, they that they're going to start spring training on time. You don't believe that they're going to? I, I don't. I still think there's going to be another massive outbreak of COVID, and, and it's going to delay things. 
Uh, that, that that remains possible, but the reality is, is this is a you know billion dollar industry, and they'll pull some strings to make sure every single major leaguer gets vaccinated in time. I, I, I honestly don't expect them to delay. Uh, there might be some delays for the minor leaguers. That's why they're they told the minor league baseball you, you you're probably going to start late. But uh, I don't think um, I don't think there's going to be any delays when it comes to major league camp, and they'll they'll they'll, they'll keep those two separate. Even with Arizona and Florida being high risk states, you still think that's well. Those are high concern. Those are high don't that's, care states. They really are, yeah. I, I <laughs> and that's wrong. I mean, then they should delay spring training because of that bullshit. I, I, well, I'm, they won't. I, they won't. I mean, I don't want to get to the money. Mor- money speaks. Yeah, I don't want to get the morality of it. I mean, it, it's. Because I thought we were going to talk about worst major league trades ever, but um, the oh, well, <laughs> wait. But uh, I'm I, sorry, I, we can't. I, I just think the fact of the matter is what Matt said: is they're going to do it because there's money to be had. If if if, if the COVID the crisis and, and and pandemic has taught us anything at all, it's that money is more important than human lives in this society right now. Money yeah, is yeah. valued more than human lives. I mean, right. Right now, if you look at like the New York Times map of COVID hotspots, Arizona is like this dark, dark purple, which is as bad as it gets across the entire state, along with Southern California. And then um, Florida is dark orange and dark purple and red as well, um, especially down in the Miami area and then around Orlando and in the Panhandle. So like, I mean, it's bad everywhere, but it's really bad in both of those places. Um, and, uh, I mean, yeah, sadly, uh, they are don't-care states. So I'm guessing that we're going to have a lag from all the holiday gatherings that we know happened. And then there will be carnage. And uh, probably it doesn't get delayed, but uh, it might get stopped. It might get stopped for weeks. Well, there's also yeah. There's gonna be a bump for there's gonna be a bump for Christmas. There's gonna be a bump for New Year's, and then there's gonna be a bump for what happened the events of yesterday, where uh, none of those people, those insurgents, for lack of a better word, uh, were wearing masks. They were all I mean, there was thousands of people all congregating too close without masks. There's gonna be some repercussions for that too. And yeah, I'm, almost none of them were from the local area, so they're all gonna they're go all back home. Planes. Yeah. Uh. Abraham, I don't want you to be disappointed, so we, we can do the worst trades real quick in oh, yes. history. But we, I, I'd like to readdress it down the road. But what is it? I mean, do you have a worst trade in MLB history? I, I have, mean, let's go around and. I have two. Uh, because I, I, know, okay, I, know, I know Solax. Uh, I have a few, but. I'm going to bat. <laughs> I, I just want to bash the Mariners because I have for the last 20 years. So why, be, why be any different? But it's got to be the Ortiz and the Veritech trades for basically a bag of peanuts and a six pack. Um, Ortiz wasn't part of that trade. Ortiz was there are two different trades. There are two different trades. I know that. He was a non-tender. He wasn't a trade. Oh, it was not. A, okay. Well then fine. Just, it's a fair tech. Thing. No, he got, tr- he got traded to Minnesota. Minnesota. Actually no, he got not tendered and they picked him up. Oh, okay. Anyway, anyway, there's that. And then there's also, I, I just want to say this. Uh, the Mariners did fleece uh, Montreal out of Randy Johnson. Um, we basically gave up Holman, Langston, and 
No, we got back Holman. We, tr- we gave up Langston, and we got Holman. Uh, help me out, Rich. Gene Harris. Gene Harris. And thank Rand- you. And, yes. and RJ. And yeah, RJ. yeah, yeah. Um, but let's, let's, let's be real here. If Randy Johnson doesn't talk to Nolan Ryan during batting practice in 1993, uh-huh. that trade doesn't turn out nearly as well as Are it you- was. He was kind of a bust. Uh, yeah, but hang on. Um, the Expos were in full sell mode and they got rid of Pedro Martinez as well. They basically gave up an entire roster of good players that should have won the world series. Yes. It should have won the world series in 94. Um, um, so good to Mariners. And then the last one I have is, uh, it's gotta be the combo of BGO from the Brewers and then Bagwell from, um, was it your Red Sox? It might've been your Red Sox uh, to the Houston Astros and that built a franchise. Wow. Well, I've forgotten <clears throat> about that. Fair enough, Abraham. I don't know if this is one that Matt's thinking about, but my, I have many, but I'll just pick one. Yankees picked up Ken Phelps for Jay Buhner and that obviously worked out well for the Mariners. Oh, we all saw that. Sign that up. We all saw that sign filled up. Oh, <laughs> that too. Oh, yeah. 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 How were no, you I was, thinking? I was, I was thinking of your Red Sox one, the one that your team never really lived down. Babe but, Ruth. Yeah, we well, we sold him, but yeah, I guess yeah. That's technically. But of yeah. recent of recent years, um, I would bring your attention to the Giancarlo Stanton trade. It's not worked out well for either team. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I guess the Marlins might be the winners because they don't have to pay the three hundred more million dollars that he's owed. But at the same time, you know they didn't get really anything in, in response or anything at all. Um, it, go back further. There's some possibles like uh, what about Frank Robinson? Got basically Ooh, salary dumped in, by yeah. the Reds, and he went yeah, to no, the Orioles and was no, legendary. It wasn't just he was salary dumped. He was an old 29. 29 or 30 or something like that. Yeah. He was, he was, he was called an old 29. I had, I had like a, a thing on that. Like where it was, it was a, a book from the eighties. It's like worst trades in major league baseball history. And you know, he played for another, what, like 10 years. He was amazing. He went yeah. on, to, you know, just absolutely. I mean, well, he's all famer, you know? Well, he, he played, uh, he he played with the the original Moneyball manager, or Earl Weaver, yeah. who uh, whose favorite whose favorite play in all baseball was a three run home run. And never 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 hit and run, never bunted, never stole bases. Oh, that's who ruined baseball. No. What do you mean no? Because that's the whole freaking Tommy Lasorda. No, when thing. you have Boog Powell not Tommy and Frank Robinson uh, and uh, Brooks Robinson. And just a stacked lineup that's no good at stealing bases or hitting and running, but they're really good at hitting home runs. You tell them to not do anything. Luke Powell was a he, terrible Mariners player. He was, and he was an amazing Orioles <laughs> player. <laughs> Did we ever figure out if Boog Powell was related to Boog Powell? The Mariners Boog Powell was was he related to? Yeah, Boog Powell Junior. Yeah, it was, was his son. Junior okay. Yeah. Uh, how about how about here's a here's an example from the early thousands. How about AJ Prezinski to the mm-hmm. San Francisco Giants for Joe Nathan and Francisco Lariano? I like I like AJ Prezinski though. 
yeah, but he didn't do crap after that. And, uh, did he uh, what, didn't he win a championship with the White Sox? Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, like four years later, yeah. Oh, what a jerk. He won a championship four years later. Well, I'm saying, they traded him to the Giants, and then he went. He, he didn't give anything to the Giants. So. Oh, speaking of which, do you, uh, know, do you know that's what people called him? Uh, instead of AJ, they called him A-Jerk Pierzynski. Well, rightfully so. <laughs> um, how about Max Scherzer? Uh, Max Scherzer Diamondbacks. was Diamondbacks. nothing by the Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They sent him off to the Tigers for basically nothing. And this was after they got him from somewhere else. Matt, can I go back to Babe Ruth for a second? Um, yeah, go ahead. Do you know why he was traded from the Red Sox? No. <laughs> so he was traded for he was traded for whatever amount of money, so that the uh-huh. owner of the Red Sox could open a Broadway play. Yeah, it was what? it was a, it was like a hundred thousand dollars and a five hundred thousand dollar loan with good terms, so he could yeah open a Broadway play because that's how he really made his money. He's a he's a producer. Some three hundred thousand dollars in loans, which was used to finance his Broadway production interest. Holy crap! Okay, I didn't know that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Uh, Crazy. Solak, what's your worst trade? Uh, well, you already said the the Jay Buhner one, but the Buhner one. You got uh, another one? You said. Well, I mean, obviously, what's his face? But I, I had a website open, but my computer's not working right now. What's his so. Face? Uh, uh, Babe Ruth trade. I was, good, but you brought that up, and uh-huh. well, you're the Red Sox fan. I was surprised you didn't. I was also going to bring up the RJ trade, but Abraham beat me to that. So those are my two. <clears throat> but I think it's a good topic for future discussion. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm ready for to do some shout outs if you are okay with that. Okay, that's fine. Um, we, we allow that. So you don't want to talk uh, about you don't want to talk about Tony Perez going to. Going to the Red Sox? No. Okay. All right. All right. Any Red Sox first baseman? <laughs> he, he no, was, no, no. Well, he was a Reds first baseman and was a Hall of Famer. Um, no, he played out his last couple of years, I think, with the Red Sox or something like that. <clears throat> okay. I'm just trying to figure out like where the Red Sox screwed up other than Babe Ruth. That's all. Well, I got a, I got one trade for you. The, the one that sent uh, Dave Henderson and Spike Owen oh, no. to the Red Sox from the Mariners. That sucks. I don't know what we got in return for that, but it was garbage. It was hot, hot garbage. <laughs> it was worse than the Heathcliff Slocum trade. At least Heathcliff Slocum was good down the stretch and got us to the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, well, at least he, right. I forgot about that. At least he addressed a need. Uh, I think the Hindu. Yeah. I think the Hindu and Spike Owen. Didn't we get somebody like uh, Phil Bradley or something like that? No, I don't think it was Phil Bradley. But it wasn't. No. Um, I'll, 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 I'll throw in one trade. I don't remember his name, but the center fielder we got for a few years from Cleveland. Um, oh, that jerk. Like the, Reed. No, 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 no. Jeremy not, Reed. Not, yeah. No, he was a draft pick. No, I'm talking about the guy that was fantastic. It was when, when it was the first trade that Zorenzik did, or at least the first big trade that Zorenzik did. Guy came here and won a couple of gold gloves. Um, hit, hit, he had pretty good power. He was kind of like the the second coming of Mike Cameron, but I can't remember his name. Oh, Franklin Gutierrez. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Goody, and then he got sick. Miss Goody. Yeah, he continuously just had 
he had some intestinal issues. He had some other issues. Yeah. He just kept on. I felt really bad for the guy because it was, well, when, he, you know, yeah, yeah, the work ethic, it just his body betrayed him. Yeah, one week he had cholera. The next week he had like a broken yeah, it was, nose or something. They had to remove, they had to remove like a huge section of his intestines and stuff. I mean, I think, I think he just, worst Worst luck ever. But like that trade, I don't even know what we gave up for it. Whatever it was, it, it, it was, uh, it was a pretty good trade. I'm still mad about Jeremy Reed. Stop. I'm, I'm unhappy. Uh, Oh you my word! Me. We could have had so many other good players that draft. <laughs> I mean, that uh, was okay. no, no, no. We traded. We draft. traded. We traded for Jeremy Reed. We didn't draft him. Did we? Jeremy Reed my, was a Cleveland or Chicago White Sox uh, draft pick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But what did he? Didn't we trade from like right after the draft? It's possible. That's possible. Yeah. Anyway, one uh, other quick. One other before. Sorry to interrupt, but what my internet's finally working. But what? One other final trade I was going to talk bring up was Mariners traded Shin Su Chu for Ben oh, Broussard. Oh yeah. Uh, obviously, we know where that went. So mm-hmm. that and the Pod, uh, that and Pod Sednik, we had both Chu and Pod Sednik. Jamie Moyer, that's another one. We got Jamie Moyer for Darren Bragg. That's actually a good one for the Mariners. That is a good one for the Mariners. Wow. <laughs> Well, but you had shout-outs, you had shout-outs, right? Yeah, yes, yes. I want to go first if that's right. Um, rest in peace, Officer Hooks, of all you fans of Police Academy movies. I actress Marion Ramsey died. If you guys remember who she was, she was Officer Hooks, and mm-hmm. I can't remember all her quotes in the movies, but she is a damn good actress, and she didn't get fair enough credit for that movie. So was she the I one just, that talked her. like this? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Now I remember her. Yep. So that, that's my shout out. <clears throat> Abraham. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm gonna shout out to. Uh, I gotta do it. I gotta do it to the Seahawks. You guys turned it around. I really had this. I had this in my brain about halfway through the season. This team wasn't good enough. They are good enough. They recognized needs. Went and did the hard thing. Trade away draft picks, uh, trade away, you know, uh, uh, assets to make sure we have the number one defense. And I think that's going to really take us places. Rich. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a shout out to uh, to one Hall of Famer, Greg Maddox, uh, just because I really miss watching great pitchers pitch. Uh, in an intelligent and uh, cerebral way and not necessarily having to rear back and throw 150-mile-an-hour fastballs. And Mr. Page. Yeah, the all-time crafty pitcher, yeah. Uh, I want to make I want to make a call-out. I don't want to make a shout-out. I want to call out Jerry DePoto, and I want to tell him that he needs to actually go and get a, a starting pitcher. And none of these people that he's signed so far is anywhere near adequate. And if we really want to compete this year... We're going to need a starting pitcher. We don't have any. So please. <laughs> totally agree. Please freaking do it. While I'm watching the Padres co- go crazy and load up, I mean, we need to we need to compete with our geographical hated rivals, all right? Well, Absolutely. <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody. Yes. I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us this week on the Seattle Sports Union podcast. Tonight we got we got a pleasant a pleasant show. Uh, so expertly and deftly hosted by one 
Brian, the Soul Man Solak, and special guests, of course, yet again, were Richard A. Michelson, the Ram, Matthew, the hated Oregon Ducky, Page, and, of course, the Soul Cow Seahawk, Rob English, and myself, Abraham Deleuze. We'll see you guys next time. Well, that's a bit. Dallas Martinez.